to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can you pray with me? Our Father... Um, We long to be free. Uh, we were made to know the truth, and yet our sin blinds us and enslaves us. 
Lord, please open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to your word, your life-giving, freeing, liberating, good word. Lord, where it's difficult to hear, please help us to be humble before, before you, the giver of your word. Uh, whereas what we need, um, we pray that we will receive it. Where it rebukes us, please help us uh, to receive that as we ought. Where it comforts us, please help us to receive that as we ought. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your name might be glorified now as we look at your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, each year, um, maybe you're familiar with this. If you're a kind of wordy person, you might like this. Uh, each year, the, the makers of various dictionaries or other organisations like that, they, they publish what they call a word of the year. So um, every year, there's a word of the year come out. It's like an important word or expression that's been used in the public sphere for the last year. Last year's, according to the Australian National Dictionary Centre, uh, was the word quasi. I don't know if you've heard of... But it was kind of coming out of all the political citizenship dramas last year, if you remember. It's a, refer, a term that refers to someone who has dual citizenship in New Zealand and Australia. They're a quasi, uh, a Kiwi Australian... Uh, anyway, but uh, uh, so there's all different sorts of uh, every year. There's, there's a new word, or and every there's different organisations that pick different words for different reasons. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, in the last few years, there's been this really interesting trend across the different groups that do this sort of thing. Uh, 2016's word of the year for the Macquarie Dictionary and another one. Um, I forgot to write it down, but uh, there were a couple of them. That their phrase of the year was. Fake news. You heard uh, about fake news going around in 2016. Uh, in the same year, the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year was post-truth. You heard that phrase? We, we live in a post-truth um, society. Uh, another organisation, this is an interesting one, it's called the Global Language Monitor. Um, they don't just pick the word that they think has had the most influence. What they do is they gather huge amounts of data from all different sources and try and get um, the, 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 the most significant word of the year and other stuff. Uh, the, anyway, uh, in, the, in the top ten words from last year, alongside Brexit and woke, I'm clearly very woke. If you don't know what that means, don't worry. There's only a handful of people here smiling. That means not many of us are woke. Um, anyway, alongside those, uh, there was the word... Um, now, again, they sat the word post-truth, and very interestingly, in the number one position for last year, the simple word truth. Truth. So across this huge data-gathering exercise, um, the word truth was right up there, right number one position. It's, it points to an issue that really is at the forefront of our minds today, isn't it? Uh, we have this longing for truth, for something we can trust. Um, but we're not sure who we can trust. We have fake news. We have people massaging the truth. We have straight-out lies. Uh, and, and in the face of all of that, you can kind of understand why people call our society a post-truth world, right? Um, in the face of all the kind of untrustworthy purveyors of truth out there. 
but we still want it, right? We still want truth. We, we want some kind of certainty. Um, and there's this other interesting shift, I think, in, in recent years. You might be familiar with this that goes alongside this. We really want truth, uh, but we don't, we don't trust... We kind of have shifted from looking for truth outside of ourselves. What's really true is actually we, we turn our gaze inside ourselves. What's really true is what you feel is true. You have to live your truth, whatever that is, and your truth can be totally different from someone else's. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is your authentic, being authentic to who you really are inside. Maybe you've heard that kind of um, talk. It's, it's quite common, really, really popular way to, to think about truth. It's not really primarily out there, but in here. But the problem is, it, I mean, there's, a, there's heaps of problems, I think, with that. It kind of underestimates how much we are shaped by things outside of us that we don't even recognise. But it also becomes a real crushing burden for people. If, if I'm honest with myself, I know my feelings are all over the place, right? They, they are totally unreliable. Um, what's to say that what I choose as my truth today will be my truth tomorrow? There's such a fragility and insecurity to this idea of who we are, what our identity is. It, it all rests on the fragility and insecurity of my own inner state, which is not a very strong thing to rest this idea on. And add to that my own darkness, my own selfishness and pride. And So a world of people looking inside themselves for truth, on one level you can, that sounds good, but... I think if you think about it, it's actually a profoundly scary thought. <laughs> what we need and what the gospel of Jesus gives us uh, is a, a, a truth that we don't anxiously need to make f- from within ourselves, an identity that's not grounded in our own up and down feelings, but is based on real truth, an identity that is a gift given to us from outside of ourselves by God's grace. A sure and steadfast anchor for our souls. If you're familiar with that old song. Well, with all that in mind, friends, Jesus says in verse 31 of our passage, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're going to, in a moment, dive into this passage, but just before we do, it's worth just acknowledging that it is quite a difficult passage. I've had a number of conversations with a bunch of, uh, bunch of us uh, who have really wrestled with this through the week in home groups. Um, there are some difficult things to get your head around in here. We'll try to sort of touch on some of them. We may not get to them all. We'll try and see the big picture of the passage first. So there's a kind of difficulty, you know, just on that level of seeing what's going on. Um, but it's difficult on another level too, isn't it? it it's difficult because we do live in a, in a, in a kind of post-truth world and to hear this news about the truth creates a kind of... Well, it, it's difficult because... it. it It's offensive, actually. Um, It's difficult because in a post-truth world, Jesus' claims just seem too black and white. 
They seem too extreme, too confrontational. And they are black and white, and they are extreme, and they are confrontational. Um, But it's important to remember it's Jesus who's saying this. It's Jesus who's saying this. It's the same Jesus we've already seen all through John's Gospel, who is the loved eternal Son of God the Father, who, who God the Father sent into the world in order to save it. That's his whole purpose for being here. The one who feeds crowds and heals sick people and talks with socially unacceptable people and forgives and cleanses. It's important just to remember that it's Jesus who is saying this. Um, and so when you get to this chapter, this isn't, it, it, it's not as if it's, it's, this is just one of Jesus' bad days, you know, as if uh, some days you get him on a good day, other days he'll just be irritated because he hasn't slept. No, he's not like me, right? Uh, what we see here is, in Jesus is the perfect expression of the holy love of God. God himself come into his creation full of both grace and truth. So he does have hard, confronting words to say that are fully consistent with his character and what he's here to do. By the end of the chapter, actually, the people hearing them are deeply offended, so deeply offended, and we'll hear next week that they try to kill him. They pick up stones, they they try to kill him there and then by the time Jesus is finished with them. Uh, But when Jesus speaks harshly, it's because it's needed. It's kind of like a doctor who gives hard news in order to expose the problem so that he can heal it. Um, so what we'll say, what we'll, what we'll see today is, if we hear Jesus rightly, this is one of the, this is the kind of confronting reality of what Jesus says. If we hear him rightly, um, there is no middle ground with Jesus. Uh, if you hear him rightly, his claims about himself, if you really take in what he says, you'll either love him and follow him, or you'll hate him and want him dead. The one thing you can't be is indifferent to him or think he's just a nice teacher who had a few good things to say that you can pick and choose from. If that's your attitude to Jesus, it's not actually Jesus you're talking about. It's an imaginary person that you've made up, not the real Jesus. So it's, it's pretty confronting stuff. It's big stuff. It's cha- challenging stuff. It can be scary, but Friends, it it is good. The Jesus who says this is the one who laid down his life for you and the one who rose again in power. And what he says here is so good and what we need and what can alone give freedom and peace. So we're going to see what it looks like to be truly free according to Jesus here. So, uh, with all that in mind, if you have the, your passage open, it, it will really help you. Uh, it'll be up on the screen too as we go through. And what does it look like, for, according to Jesus, to know the truth, to be truly free? Well, from the first couple of verses there, it, 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 Jesus talks about those who remain in his word. Let, let's have a look. It's... Um, uh, from verse 31. We, uh, actually, let's go back to verse 30 last week. 
Uh, if, if you flick your eyes up, it's on, it won't be on the screen, sorry, but you can see it in your Bibles. Right at the end of last week's passage, you might remember after Jesus has finished talking to all these people, many people believe in him. So you get this positive response to Jesus after he's finished talking to them. And then you get to verse 31, and it says, To the Jews who had believed in him. So Jesus is speaking here to people, to these people who he calls the, John calls the Jews, uh, and they had believed in him. But then just flick your eye down um, in your Bibles, just very quickly, just down to verse 46, you'll see uh, that Jesus says they actually don't believe in him. They don't believe him. So what's going on here? There's some kind of, um, there's something going on. Um, All through John's Gospel, Jesus has had this conflict with this group that John calls the Jews. Um, in John's Gospel, often this doesn't mean the Jewish people as a whole. It kind of is a way that he refers to the religious leaders of the Jews. Uh, it often, he often uses it to talk about that, like sort of the Pharisees and the scribes all rolled into one. He just uses this phrase. Uh, that may well, I think, be what's going on here. So you have this situation where lots of people are gathering around Jesus and believe in him, and some of those even... Um, lots believe in him. Even some of the, these religious, these religious leaders um, believe in him. Believe him. They, they had this positive response to Jesus. But Jesus, he, he just wants to keep pushing. He wants to push further. He knows there's a difference between an initial kind of enthusiastic positive response and real, lasting, long-term faith. Uh, It's not genuine unless it actually lasts. Real faith is lasting faith. So he says to them, uh, verse 31, to these, the the Jews, uh, I think that means the the religious leaders who are around him, they had believed him on some level. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Literally, Jesus says there, if you remain in my word, if you, it's got this sense of settling down, long term, if you remain in my word, if you hold for the long term to my teaching, you are really my disciples. It's not just if you say yes to Jesus one time, if you remain with him in his word, if you settle in your heart, that his word, the word that he speaks about God and about the world, about you, that if you settle in your heart that his word is true, is the truth, and that you will live by that word in its light, accepting it, letting it shape you for the rest of your life, that's, what's real, that's what real genuine faith looks like. So he goes on in verse 32, if you remain in his word, in my word, he says, you will, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just like last week, Jesus wasn't just a light. Here, he's not just a truth. He claims to be the truth. He's not saying he's just one among many. He's not one option for a good philosophy of life that you can kind of pick bits from that you like and you can go elsewhere for other bits that you like. 
That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus claims to speak the truth with a capital T. The truth about God, about humanity, about himself, and the freedom that your soul longs for. The freedom to live a full life lined up with God's truth and beauty and goodness. The freedom, that freedom comes to those who receive and remain in God's word. Jesus' word. Okay, so these leaders, let's keep moving through this story. There's a lot to get through, but these leaders prick up their ears when they hear Jesus talk about being free. You see that in, uh, yeah, uh, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free, and they think they don't like the implication that they're not free. They don't, they, they don't like hearing that they're actually in need of being saved. Verse 33, they answer him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? There's a bit of confusion here because if you know anything about the history of Abraham's family, you'll know that the people of Israel, they, they were actually slaves for a, a lot of their history. And even at the moment when they're talking about this, they're under Roman rules. So, um, uh, but the people talking, saying this know that. What they're talking about is on a, on a spiritual level. Uh, in terms of their relationship with God... They were the privileged people. They had Abraham as their father. They have excellent pedigree, right? And not just that, they're the ones who've come to this national religious festival and have done all the right things. They're the, they don't only have pedi- their pedigree, they've got their performance. They're, they're doing all the right things. And so for those sort of people who have... Abraham is their father. They, they, they rest on that for their assurance that they're right with God. But Jesus says, when it comes to your spiritual state, your pedigree doesn't count. Your performance can't help you. You can't rely on that. Your religious leaders, you religious leaders are in the same boat as every other person. And verse 34 is that boat. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So there's more going on when you sin, when you do what you know is wrong, when you reject God and his, you go against his law and his good plans. It's not just that you're doing an individual wrong thing. Uh, It's not just that you've made a bad choice. According to Jesus, we sin because of a deeper heart problem within us, a deeper captivity that we naturally are all in, a rebellion and pride towards God. And these religious leaders, their pedigree can't cover it up. Their performance doesn't kind of offset this. It's so deep that Jesus talks about it as being slavery. And Jesus says, he goes on, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. It, uh, these Jewish leaders assumed they were part of God's family 
based on their pedigree, their, their history, their connection to Abraham, based on their, maybe their religious performance. They just assumed that they were in the family. But Jesus strikes at the heart of their assurance. He says, no, you're, you're not automatically part of the family just because of those things. In fact, you're a slave. You have no right to feel self-assured about your relationship to God because of your own pedigree, because based on your own performance, just because you're related to Abraham. It's only a son who has the permanent place in the family, and Jesus is the son. That's, what, that's one of his main points over these whole chapters. Jesus is the son um, he alone, out of anyone, is not a slave to sin. He alone, out of anyone, has that perfect relationship with the Father. And, and so in verse 36, this wonderful verse, if this son, if this son sets you free, this one who alone has right to claim membership in God's family, the one who, from verse 46, down, if you look down, he says he's not guilty of sin. The one who's never been a slave of sin. If this one sets you free, then, and only then, you will be free indeed. But these guys aren't free. They haven't received this son and the freedom that he brings in fact, in verse 37, uh, Jesus knows they're already looking for a way to kill him by this point um, because they have no room for his word, he says. Uh, they might have given some kind of outward positive response to Jesus, but they don't hold to his teaching. They don't remain in it, especially when he says something that they don't like. But they do belong to a family. Uh, just not Jesus' family, not the family of the one true God. And this is where things keep getting intense, <laughs> intenser and intenser through this passage from verse 38. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Jesus says he, he's not just coming and randomly saying stuff that comes to him on his own. He is the eternal son of the Father who speaks what he has seen in the Father's presence. He speaks the truth. And, but he also, these Jewish leaders, they're not acting randomly either. They're acting just in line with their own family, following their own father. They answer Jesus in verse 39, Abraham is our father. That's their comeback. Abraham is our father. What are you talking about? We uh, do what our father... Well, Jesus says, if Abraham, uh, if you were Abraham's children, uh, in verse 39, then you would do what Abraham did. See what he's getting at here? Uh, there's this kind of classic reality, right, that um, you, you, you kind of, you, you imitate your parents or your father. Or you, you, there's a family likeness that gets passed down. And Jesus is saying to these guys, even though you might have that physical connection to Abraham, spiritually, 
you have no family resemblance. Um, Abraham, the characteristic of Abraham was that he heard God's word and he believed it. He received God's word and he believed it. And here is the word made flesh standing among them. The true children of Abraham would do the same thing. They would hear God's word, see God's word, and receive him. But these religious leaders, when they have this word made flesh right there, um, they might like some of the things he says at first, but they they show that they're not actually Abraham's children. Verse 40, as it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Well, Jesus doesn't back down, does he? He kind of just keeps going at these guys. Um, and so the, Jew, you know, the Jewish leaders that he's talking to, they have to kind of raise the stakes again. That's what they do next. Uh, they, they say, well, they go for their trump card. Uh, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Right? There we go, the trump card's been played. And Jesus doesn't have any of it. He, he replies, if, it, look, if that were true, if God were really your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. See what Jesus is saying there? Your relationship to Jesus shows your relationship to God. How you relate to Jesus is how you relate to God. If you really were God's children, Jesus is saying, you would love me. If you really loved God, you'd love me, the unique, eternal Son who is loved by the Father. But they don't love him, they don't get him, and ultimately, well, it's not actually because they're, they're not smart enough. Um, it's not because they're not clever enough. It's because, Jesus goes on, because their hearts are blinded. It's because they belong to this other family. Verse 43, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. This is, uh, he's not saying, uh, it's not a kind of comprehension in class. We do need to work at trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, and that's one thing. But what he's saying here is this, there's actually a deeper blockage to them getting what he's saying. It's not about whether they can understand what the, the actual words he's saying. There's a deeper spiritual blockage that's stopping them from receiving his word. He says, you belong to your father the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I, if I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God... Here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. 
the religious elite, those who have come from all over the country to this festival. Leaders, people who knew the scriptures. Children of the devil do not belong to God and who do not belong to God. Jesus believed in a real, personal, spiritual force of evil, of opposition to God. He believed in the devil. Not a kind of, you know, the laughable red goat with uh, a, a, a tail and a, uh, holding a trident. Um, you know, that's kind of, uh, not that, not, not that. He believed in the devil, the father of lies, who will do whatever it takes to blind people to the truth. And when the truth is standing right there in their midst and they don't see him, when instead they want to kill him, then Jesus says to do that is to show that it's the devil, not God, who is your father. Well, the people Jesus is talking to are enraged at this. We'll read more about that next week. Uh, They are so offended. They're offended at his claim that they are slaves to sin, even though they have the right pedigree and they've done the right performance. They're offended about that. They've they've shown Jesus a positive response. They've given him a fair hearing, I think, but that's not enough. To be truly free, Jesus says, means not just an initial kind of flash in the pan, but to remain in his word, to entrust yourself to him. Uh, their slavery is so deep that being freed from it can come only from the outside, from the son who is alone, free from sin. They will only experience that freedom if they belong to God their father, as their father. Um, but there are these, these guys show by their reaction to Jesus that they don't, uh, that the father of lies is their father. Friends, uh, it's a sobering passage, isn't it? It's, it's a pretty heavy one. Um, it's right that we hear it, though. It's good that we hear it. Uh, there is a warning here. I just want to finish with this. Two, uh, two reflections on coming out of this passage. Uh, there is a sobering warning. There's also a glorious promise. Um, there's a warning here. You, you see what you see here? People who have all the, all the right stuff outwardly going for them. They had the right pedigree. They were part of God's Old Testament people. Bearers of the great story of his salvation. They have the right performance. They're there at the festival. They're even leaders among God's people. Um, they've even given a positive response to Jesus, at least at first. And yet, according to Jesus, they are enslaved to their sin and they belong to the family of the devil. This is a warning to us. It is a warning against relying on anything other than the Son to set us free. It's a warning against relying on anything other than the Son to set us free. These guys, they were relying on these, these other things. It's not exactly the same kind of situation, but maybe you have a religious pedigree. 
baptized as a baby, brought up Catholic or Anglican or Baptist or, or... Jesus says, yes, okay, that's good, but do you hold to my teaching? Do you remain in my word? Um, maybe it's tempting, isn't it, to rely on our performance, to do your bit and generally be a good citizen, help out where you can. But when faced with the, you know, the dark reality of our spiritual slavery... That's not what counts. What counts is, has the sun set you free? Has the sun set you free? Maybe you rely on your past experience. Uh, maybe you went through your religious phase, right? You made a profession of faith, but you're kind of growing past it now. You still think Jesus is a pretty good guy. But Jesus says, do you remain in his word? especially when it challenges you, especially when it offends you and makes demands of you. If you don't, I, I think Jesus would say to you, don't pretend to have a middle ground with me. Um, don't pretend to think that I'm a kind of a good guy you can have as your mate and get some tips from, but leave it at that, thank you very much. According to Jesus, it's important to hear that, isn't it? This is not according to me. According to Jesus, that kind of mentality that the, these people had that he's talking to is actually, to have that mentality is actually to side with the devil who sits under the condemnation of God and will face God's wrath and judgment. So there's a sobering warning here. And on one level, it's a harsh passage. As I said, it kind of keeps going. I um, think we, yeah, we're kind of in one of the, hard, the hardest passages on, on that level. But what we need to see as we finish up is the reality underlying this hard conversation the reality underlying it is actually a wonderful truth and a glorious promise. And the more we see the darkness of humanity's slavery to sin, of the reality of the devil and his lies, the more we will see the beauty of this promise, of this reality. The whole purpose Jesus came into the world was to set people free from this, to reveal the truth. And for those who trust him, for those who remain in his word, who, who cling to the gospel, not to their pedigree or performance or anything else, who cling to Christ, who receive his word and live in it, if that is you, then when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, then your shackles were broken. Your sin was paid for. Your adoption into God's family was completed. And there is now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
If this sun sets you free, the promise of this passage is you will be free indeed. Um, you might know that um, Billy Graham passed away this week. You, you, you're familiar with Billy Graham. He was 99 years old. Uh, he had one of the most profound impacts on the world, actually, of, of any person in the last 100 years, um, profound impacts of any Christian person. He spoke about Jesus to millions and millions of people. Um, but it was interesting sort of reading things about his life. What, what he was really known for was his, his simplicity, um, for simply pointing people to Jesus from the Bible. So I thought it might be kind of appropriate. I'm, I'm going to finish um, with a quote from a sermon that Billy Graham preached from this passage to kind of just bring these things together. And it's the simple and glorious, confronting but wonderful truth of the gospel. Before you come to Christ, you are a slave of sin. Christ's truth makes you free, free from the penalty of sin so that you'll never go to hell. Freedom now from the power of sin so that sin shall no longer have dominion over you. And freedom someday from even the presence of sin. You can be free right now by coming to Christ. Can we pray together? Let's pray. the sun sets us free we will be free indeed heavenly father thank you for this promise help us to see rightly the darkness of our world we've reflected on that over last week as well as this week um, keep us from the kind of pride of these people jesus is talking to who who have an initial positive reaction to jesus but who really are so far from him uh, keep us from that kind of arrogance that relies on our pedigree or performance or any other thing. Uh, Father, help us to see what a desperate situation we are in outside of Christ. Help us to know the liberating power of the gospel that frees us from that. Help us to rejoice in that, we pray. And we pray that many people will experience this same freedom that out of us this message of both the reality of our world and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will ring out and transform many lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.